Welcome to the Rod of Iron Podcast, Fundamental Baptist, breaking down discussions, dogma, and daily events. I am your host, Pastor Bruce Mejia, First Works Baptist Church, and I'm joined by a special guest this evening. We have Brother Vitor Nadir, uh, and he's a member of our church. He's been coming for, I want to say, what, six months, seven months? Since March. About six. Six months or so, six, right? Seven, seven months. Seven months. And uh, he, he's he's fairly new to our church, but in all reality, he's become part of the furniture around here, and he's doing a great job, and, and um, it's a blessing to have him in our church. And so I asked him to be on the show tonight because he's an interesting person, <laughs> and uh, he's got a lot of interesting things to talk about. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Brazil, which is uh, where he originally was, uh, where he was born. Born and raised. Born and raised in Brazil until when? Until what age? 21. Until 21. How old are you now? 27. 27. And then uh, Brother Vitor is also a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor, and he teaches pretty much daily, weekly, and that's pretty much his life right there. I mean, other than, of course, the things of God, but I'm saying like his his livelihood is is fighting, is uh, grappling and doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So we're going to talk about that uh, tonight. Um, but we're looking forward to a great episode. Brother Vitor, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Hey, we, are we ready or what? dun 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 Anyways, well, um, good to have you on the show tonight, Brother Vitor. So seven months is about seven months ago you came. And I remember when when we first got in contact, I was very suspicious of you, my friend. (laughs) You you remember that? Yes. Because it was, you know, obviously we're fresh off the bombing. And I had a lot of people contacting me. And I didn't know who was friend and who was foe. Who was trying to just find out what our address was so they can come and bomb us again. And, and so I was getting a lot of DMs on Instagram and Facebook and in different areas, emails, of course. And Vitor was one of them. But, uh, you know, I didn't know Vitor. I'd never heard of Vitor before. I didn't see him, like, in, on Facebook, you know, or Instagram, yeah. anything related to new IFB. I never saw anything about him. Yeah. So he contacted me, and he basically – I think what you said was, hey, I'm at the building. I'm trying to go to church. But there's a red tape on it saying that it's closed or something. Exactly. And I don't remember what I told you. I think I said, like, give me your number and I'll give you a call. Yeah. <laughs> but you messaged me through Instagram. Yeah. First. First. Yeah. So anytime someone messages me, obviously, the first thing I'm going to do is go on their profile, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I click on your profile and I just see this, this I'm just going to say it, yeah, long, this long haired Brazilian Jiu Jitsu <laughs> practitioner. And I'm like. Who's this guy? <laughs> Is he trying to come and fight over here? And I'm scrolling through. I'm like, oh, this guy's a fighter. I'm like, he he's trying to come down and get down. And I was like, all right. Well, you ended up giving me your number. I gave you a call. You and, didn't call me, actually. Oh, I didn't call you. You did not. What, what I happened? I was expecting. I was kind of anxious. I'm like, oh, man, he's on my Instagram. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> want me in his church. But then I, I was actually, like, texting you, like, hey, what's up? Like, where, give me the address. You didn't give me the address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really waiting for it because I was looking for it. I was, like, watching Pastor Anderson's sermons all the time. Mm-hmm. And he would always kind of, like, give that little, oh, you guys watching the sermon, like, at home, eating chips off your chest. So that's kind of like poking my spirit, you know. So I felt like, man, I have to go to church. And I found out about your church, but I was always like, oh, I'm going next week. I'm going next week. And then one day I've just decided, like, man, I'm going to church. So when I went there, like I saw the building with the red tape. and Turn up his game a little bit, Eli, on his mic. mic. Just make sure that he's loud enough. And I heard about the bombing, so I was like, oh, man, that's when I text you and all that. So when I was coming back to the, coming close to the day, that that, that was the, the day I told you I was going to come. 
And then I didn't have the address, so you asked me all these questions. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, man. <laughs> this church is for real." Like, yeah, yeah. I think place. I think I I actually remember I was on my my street where I was living, and I was like, "I gotta get this guy a call." I called you, right? No. You didn't. Oh, I texted you. <laughs> yeah. Was I texting you? Texting. But th didn't we eventually talk on the phone? No. Oh, we never talked on the phone. Never talked. Oh man! <laughs> well, I was I, 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 what did I ask you? I don't even remember now. Man, you asked me. Um, oh, I need I need to ask you a couple of questions before before I give you the address, like checking out on me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like like you just have the bombing. So I was like, yeah. okay, I see, I see why. Mm -hmm. So you asked me what I think about salvation, and I gave the right answers like by faith, like because I was like already like believer. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I think now I remember, yeah. I remember thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, if this guy's like an infiltrator, he's pretty much done his homework pretty well because he was talking about like the reprobate doctrine. He was talking about salvation by grace through faith alone. Yeah, about the, the, what's it called? The rapture. Oh, did I? <laughs> what do you think about the rapture? I'm like, wow, <laughs> man, it's going deep. Well, here's the reason. <laughs> this is the reason why I asked you about that. Obviously we, we don't do that to everyone, right? <laughs> The reason I was asking you that is because if you if you are a true listener, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be it's not an essential doctrine, but when it comes to listeners of the new IFB, that's something that's kind of on the forefront of the mind. Yeah. That's kind of what we're known for. Yeah. And so I was thinking to myself, well, I'm going to ask them things that only pertain to the new IFB if he's really a new IFB listener. Yeah. And so I don't ask that just to let the audience know. I don't ask <laughs> anybody who comes to our church. I don't say, what do you believe about the rapture? You know, it was only during that season when, when people were contacting us. Fiery trial. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we put you through the fire, huh? Hey, you came forth as gold. Yeah. Hey, but you know what, though? Like, um, I know that seems a little extreme, but actually I talked to a person a couple months ago and um, they, were, they wanted the address to the church. So I said, give me your number, and now I'm going to give you a call. And most people who I say that to, if they're like a new IP, they're like, for sure. Like, yeah. they want to talk to me. They're like, oh, I'm going to talk to Pastor Mejia. He's going to give me a call. I'm like, yeah, I want to talk to Pastor right Yeah, now. they're like, they're, they're kind of excited about it. So I called this guy, and then he was like really wishy-washy. <laughs> like, I asked him about salvation, and he was kind of like not giving me the right answers at all. And he, and he was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really agree with you guys on this. And, and you know, I, you know, eternal security. Uh, but they almost seemed like the answers almost seemed scripted. And so he goes, but I want the address to your church, though. I want to come by and visit your church. And it, it seems so, like, insincere and so fake. I was like, well, for sure. Well, I'll give you a call. <laughs> you know, I basically told him, like, don't call us. We'll call you or something like that. And then I never heard from that guy ever again, you know. So uh, there is definitely people who were kind of fishy and they were kind of weird, but you weren't one of them. And I, I, But I do remember going to some of the guys. I was like, this guy said he – and I showed him the profile picture. I was like, this guy said he wants to come to our church. I was like, what do you think about this guy? You think he's trying to come fight or what? Like, you think he's – you think is he for us or for, is he for the Lord? Yeah. Is he for is he for us or for our enemies, you know? And so, but um, then you got the address. Yeah. I think when you when you asked me about the rapture, I said, "Man, like I don't really know any details, but I know you're gonna be here for the tribulation." Yes. So it must be after the tribulation. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, that's Good answer. <laughs> and that's when I was like, "Okay, I think this guy's legit." <laughs> you came on a Thursday. On a Thursday, first Thursday in the new building. So I, yeah, oh, the first Thursday in the new building. Yes. Oh. That's how I remember. Oh, that's cool. Well, the, the the funny thing is, is um, I remember thinking to myself, well, he's legit. He's going to be coming to church, and I'm going to have to talk to him about his hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, eventually I'm going to have to talk, because you have some pretty long, luxurious hair. The folks are looking at you right now on the rod of iron. Oh, he looked very different. Yeah. <laughs> it was the old man. And then we we're going to tell him to put off the old man. But he, he had, I think you had blonde hair. Yeah, it was blonde hair, just like down my chest. Yeah, he was the Brazilian Samson. <laughs> <laughs> the what? Oh, yeah, Tarzan. Tarzan yeah. That's what they called you. Call me Tarzan. Tarzan. Still to this day. And I remember when you said you were going to come, and I was thinking to myself, man, I'm going to have to tell him. Yeah. But I was like, but if he listens to us, he, he should know. Right. And then you came, and your hair was cut. I was like, whoa, look at that. That's cool.
I so had, I had this process like when I was listening to Pastor Anderson sermons. He talked about that a lot. Like it is a shame. I'm like, oh man, I'm ashamed. <laughs> so I had all this process. I'm like, man, that was one of the things I was kind of put out. Like, yeah, to go to church later in the year. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can cut my hair. I mean, like it's a shame. <laughs> How long did you grow it out for? Like almost five years. Five years, yeah. man. It's a long time. It is a long time. But it's like the thing to do, huh? It is. To grow it out like that? I don't know. I, I, or is it just like a, a jujitsu cultural thing? My process was, I always liked, like, as a kid, I had, like, long, uh, big ears. So I was kind of, oh. like, self-conscious about that. So I always thought, like, oh, I look better with long hair. And I never even heard, like, from the Bible that it's a shame for men to long have long hair. Yeah. So, uh, and my mom also, like... My mom also likes to to grow up my my brother's hair. Yeah. So we had like nice hair, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have it, you know. But like last time, my my dad's bald, like my, my whole family is bald. So I'm like I'm growing bald too. So I was like, man, I think it's the last time I'll be able to grow it out. So I just let it grow. <laughs> so you're like, I'm gonna wait to go to church for yeah. a while because I need to. <laughs> it's gonna be the last time I'm. This is the la- my last chance to sin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like five years ago. So I'm like, lo and behold, that was the last time. I'm like, okay. So what, did you cut it yourself or did you have someone else cut it? My, my friend cut it. Okay. He, what, he, he just took some some scissors or... or uh, yeah, he kind of like put it back here and he did the, the cut like... Bah. Man. Did you, <laughs> did, you did you cry? Did you cry? Almost. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's weird. And you know, when you look in the mirror, it's not like you again, you know? So yeah, it took a little getting used to. But now I, I don't really care about these things. I don't yeah. look like a fag. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm Amen. Really happy I did it. Well, good deal. Yeah, I remember that. And and I remember I remember kind of feeling like uh, when you came, I'm like, all right, well, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's, it's a little awkward, you know what I mean, when you have to. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't like necessarily going to confront you, but eventually, you know, um, I was going to end up preaching on it. I, I, I thought about this like, man, I'll go to church. Everybody will look at me with this ponytail. I'm like, oh, man, I can't do that. I can't do that. What did you say? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I was like, just look for the guy with long hair. I told, I t- we we're just all looking for the guy with long hair. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing is, like, in my opinion, the way I typically preach is, whatever issue comes up in the church, whatever I feel is like an open thing in the church that needs to be corrected, I pretty much preach on it like that Sunday. I won't wait more than a couple weeks to preach on it, just because it's fresh in everyone's mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you ever hear me preach a sermon where I'm just kind of like ripping face on something in the church, it's probably because it took place like that week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen it happen already. Oh, yeah. Have you, you seen know? it happen? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Not all the time, but most of the time. Just because like, you know, pastors, I think sometimes are afraid to do that because they don't want to offend people. Yeah. Lose but members. They lose members or something. But I do it because I love the people. Yeah. And and you got to keep a pulse on it. So you just got to, you got to, you, you got to hit, hit the wound while it's fresh. You know what I mean? Well, it's fresh in their mind. And so sometimes I'll wait a couple of weeks. But I remember I was thinking about you. I was, I was thinking, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to preach on hair in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> but you you saved me the trouble. Yeah. So, well, good deal. So uh, you said you came from Brazil when you were 21. Yeah. And uh, what part of Brazil? Salvador, Bahia. It's northeast. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you grew up there with your parents. Yeah, my mom and my dad, they, they never got married, uh, but they s- got separated when I was four. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have problems with that because they always made sure to be there for me. I was really like, I was like... A, Close to your parents. Yeah, I was really important for them. They made they made this pact that they would never like leave me or, or make me feel like I don't have one of them. You know? mm. So I see a lot of people when their parents divorce, that's one of the things they struggle with. Yeah. They get traumas and stuff. I never had that. I, wow. I don't really have any traumas. I'm a very happy Well, that's, that's great. Yeah. Because that is true. That does happen a lot. Yeah. So you never felt like you had a parent that was absent. No. They were always kind of there. Yeah. And they, they weren't Christians or anything like that. Nothing. Yeah. And then you said you, you said you had a brother? I have a brother from my mom's side. Okay. Yeah. How, how old is he? He, I have two actually. One is 19. Yeah, he just turned 19. And the other one is eight. 
One's 19 and one is eight. Yeah, Felipe and Ricardo. Oh, okay. Are they in Brazil? No, they're in Florida with my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, you went to go visit them, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was fun, man. That's cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so years ago, before I got saved, I was really into Brazilian culture because of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. And um, I really liked the language and, you know... I really like the history of like the Gracies and how jiu-jitsu came about. But obviously, you know, a, a lot of Brazil, Brazilian culture is very wicked. Yes. Right? And um, I have a couple friends in the New IV who are Brazilian. We have some Brazilians in our church. And from what I hear, it's very receptive, but it's, but it's also a very dark place. Yes. Right? And I'm sure you experienced a lot of that firsthand. <laughs> yeah. Right? What are some things you can tell me about Brazil? Man, they mostly Catholic. Oh, yeah, they are mostly Catholic. Mm -hmm. It's like a, I I'm not sure about the, the numbers, but it's a big number. It, it has a really strong influence in Brazil. Yeah, because the Portuguese they came and they colonized Brazil. Like they they started like catechizing the the native population mm -hmm. and doing all that, and then they brought the the African slaves. And they also try to, to convert, convert them to convert them. But you know what happens when you're trying to force people into Christianity, like Catholic Catholicism. Catholicism. They mix the religion. Yeah. Right. So especially the city I'm from is the one of the the city outside Africa with the most black people. Oh, okay. Yeah, over eighty percent of the population is black. So and they have a strong strong cultural identity you know that they, they value that very much you know like you're saying like they're um they're nationalist in a sense or what like they're very proud to be brazilian they're very proud to have the black history oh, oh i see know? what you're saying okay so so they value the religion there's a religion there called two religions like it's kind of the same branch so it's uh ubanda and Candomblé, it's like this African tribal religion uh -huh. that gives like a, a deity for everything from nature. So they have the God of the mountains, the God of like water or whatever. <laughs> and to this day, what's weird is like to this day, they have like uh, festivals, they have all these like holy days for these deities. A tribal African religion has influence in the 21st century. That's crazy. You see, like, that's how backwards they are. Didn't you say that uh, that's actually where Capoeira also originated, yeah, right? Yeah, the black slaves. They, they, the history goes that they used to pretend they were dancing, but they were actually training their martial arts. How to, to fight. protect themselves, how to fight. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stories about it. Like, the, the way they, they pray for these deities, it's like mixing the, uh, the Catholic idols with their idols so they put it like behind or close or inside the other idols so they would worship their own idols but when their their masters would come and see them oh they're worshiping mary or they're worshiping the saints or hmm. so there's a lot of this in the world. that's that's interesting you said that because um yeah the thing we're just working on we're working on a project right now but the first episode is just talking about like, the origins of halloween like mm -hmm. where it comes from and um not to spoil it, but basically, like you said, really where it comes from is Catholicism yeah. mixing in with pagans and uh, pagan Celt uh, Celtic uh, tribes as well as pagan Romans. So they took, because they were trying to enforce Catholicism, basically what ended up happening is they ended up mixing in together and just adopting and reimagining everything that the pagans are doing. And make a long story short, that's basically where Halloween came from. It came from the Catholics mixing in with these pagans because they're trying to like uh, convert them. Yeah. And so instead of converting them, they just adopted everything that they did in order to reach the heathen or whatever. But it seems everywhere the Catholic Church went, they did that. They, yeah, it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Everywhere. Like if you research history of any country, yep. if the Catholics came, they try to colonize you and convert people. That and then it was just mix in. It's just a different branch of Catholicism. Yeah, like, yeah, that's the same so thing with uh, a couple uh, or uh, what was it five, four years ago or something. We it's when we came out with the Day of the Dead, and the Day yeah, of the Dead is a festival <laughs> by by Aztecs who were basically, you know, the, the Catholics were trying to be yeah. com convert them, and then they would just amalgamate and and blend, and that's where they get it from, you know. Yeah. 
So they don't make real converts. They just blend religions, you know? Yeah. So aside from the paganism or aside from like the religion of Brazil, mm. you know, what else is Brazil known for? What is, what's another thing? Party. Party? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they like to party. Everywhere, all over the world comes for the carnival, comes for... Oh, yeah, that's really yeah. bad. Uh, carnival is pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very like, wicked. It It's fags all over the place. It, it's uh, people having sex and, like, people drinking and using drugs. It's on, just debauchery. On the streets, and people look forward for this all, the whole year long. People like get get ready. They make payments for the the uh, the cameras, you know, like the the special places like high, so they can see and enjoy these things with mm. with more, you know, extra things, yeah, like extra drink, free drinks, like all inclusive stuff, you know. Like they love partying that's, in Brazil. That's sexual tourism too. It's very strong, like prostitution. Oh man. That's like sad. For Rio, for for Salvador, man, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and like when I think too much about it, I'm like, man, I hate that place. But people over there, they're just deceived. But yeah, because the culture, like they grew up there, they don't know better. Yeah. But like the way they do it, we're gonna talk about this later. But it's in the history, the way they they influenced by left leftist ideology. Mm -hmm for many generations already. It's like earlier than here. Here we see like the, the left ideology like being more prevalent mm -hmm. like a couple of years. Um, I don't know, like the 2000s, Yeah, I'd say. Over there is since the 1960s or 50s. Well, that's kind of like almost the same thing here. Like the, the it's a, 60s and 70s is where you have like the sexual revolution here in America mm -hmm. where it really got bad. And um, obviously the 2000s, it just got worse. Yeah, but you see, like, over there, they started infiltrating the institutions, the institutions before. Oh, okay. Here they have the institutions now. Yeah. But over there, they have uh, the patron of the education over there is Paulo Freire. He's like, a, like his influence is, like, openly Marxist. Mm. So you have this guy that's, like, idolized over there. Wow. And, like, what are you going to think about a place that has... They don't care about education. It's yeah. just like indoctrination. Yeah. That's what they do. The, I, I actually went to college to do law, to be a lawyer. One more year, I would be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So, man, you see the, the, the professors, they just try to like... Put that into you. It's crazy. <laughs> my wife was just telling me... What was she telling me about... Um, oh, no, 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 not my wife. Miss Kelly Franceschini. Mm -hmm. You know Miss Kelly from our church? Yeah, yeah. Um, someone from our church was just telling me that basically, um, they're a teacher and they're saying that basically they no longer want to do zoom. You know what zoom is, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. online education yeah. teaching or whatever, you know, because of COVID, but they don't want to do it anymore because of the fact that now when they do zoom or when they were doing zoom in, the t in 2020, the parents were listening in on everything that the teacher was saying and they're like what in the world is this person teaching my kids because they try to teach all their leftist yes. uh disgusting ideologies and filth and and just perversion yeah. and it's like a biology class it's like a math class or something and so they, they're just like appalled uh of uh, you know what these obviously they shouldn't be appalled because these are leftist institutions liberal institutions that want to uh convert the next generation but they they saw it in their own home you know, they're like on there. And so a lot of the teachers actually quit. They're like, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm getting caught, basically. You know, <laughs> like the parents are catching on, which is pretty wicked. You know what I mean? That they're um, that they would be willing to do something like that. But over there, it's more open. They clearly have an agenda. And, and the parents actually, they agree with that because yeah. they've been indoctrin indoctrinated before. Mm -hmm. And their parents and their parents. So we have like over five generations yeah. in this ideology now. Well, you know what? I was just telling um, someone on Sunday. I remember when I was in high school, and um, I was I was in a biology class with my buddies, and the teacher was really cool in the sense of that she just kind of let us do whatever we wanted, and and you know just speak however we wanted, you know, say certain words that were not good, yeah. you know, and and she was fine with it until we said fag, okay, <laughs> and then when we used that word. 
She was just appalled, right? And this is a biology class. So she was really upset, and which we couldn't understand because, in our opinion, like we were saying a lot worse things than that. And we didn't really consider fag to be a bad word. And this is when we were like 17, 16, 17 or something. And then uh, the next class period, she came and she said, okay, class, well, we're not, we're not going to be uh, going through any biology today. I'm actually bringing in a friend of mine, oh, another yeah, student, yeah. and he's going to give us a little bit of a lecture on what it means to be gay. And me and my friends are like, what? Is this a joke? She literally brought some tranny uh. into the class. And for like an hour, he just spewed out a bunch of filth and, and disgusting stuff and was basically saying like, he was saying, I mean, I can't even repeat what he was saying because it was so nasty. Because he, he was basically saying, like, when people make fun of me for being gay, this is what I tell them. Oh, and then I, I, my friends looked at each other and were like, this guy's going to get beat up. <laughs> like, he's going to end up getting beat up. And so, um, and he was saying, and, and I was thinking in my mind, like, I wasn't even saved at that time. But I was thinking in my mind, how is it that she thinks that saying fag is offensive, but yet she's accepting of this literal filth yeah. like like perversion like she was saying he was he was saying some like disgusting stuff and i'm like and she's fine with this i'm like this is crazy and i wasn't even saved but um he ended up actually getting beat up like after after school they, he ended up getting jumped and wasn't surprising back in my day because that's just what it would happen but he got beat up really bad for that and so um but i was thinking what you're saying right there was like that and you know they, they push that stuff but like Back in high school, we only had one teacher that was like that, but I'm sure it's more prevalent now. Over there, they have Chinese teaching. Oh, kids man. teaching little kids. Oh, that's why Bolsonaro now he got a huge backlash because of that. Because he doesn't want the in the schools. He's a what we would call like conservative. Conservative. Is he the one that got stabbed? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And the media, like the media, just brushed that off. Yeah. Still today, we don't. I mean, we kind of know who ordered and who did it, but they made it like the guy is mentally disabled, and the guy, like right away, he had a, a lawyer, like a he, super expensive lawyer. The guy who stabbed him. The guy who stabbed him, and he he's like a former member of the workers party which is the leftist mm. strong strong left party over there man like politics in brazil are on fire <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's, it's pretty dangerous war. over there i'm it sure is. it's a war man so let me ask you so uh you came here when you're 21 but you're training brazilian jiu-jitsu since i was 17 over there yeah now where did you train over there it was DFT. I started with Professor Samilton in Porto Seguro. That's the first, like, because my first ever contact with jiu-jitsu was in 2007 mm -hmm. with my stepfather, who's a black belt. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, he got my, my uncle, my, my mother's brother, into jiu-jitsu. Today, my uncle is, already still, is already also a black belt. And he got my brother, Felipe, my, the 19-year-old one. And everybody was doing jiu-jitsu, but I was doing Muay Thai because I started Muay Thai when I was 14. Oh, okay. but you did Brazilian jiu-jitsu first. I did, yeah. My first contact with martial arts was... Seven years old, right? Yeah. yeah. No, 2007. Oh, 2007. Okay. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. 2007. <laughs> wow. That's when I got saved. Oh. was in 2007 when I was 21. So that's when you first started doing jiu-jitsu? That was my first contact with jiu-jitsu in 2007. Okay. So I did like four months. Uh, that was like my summer vacation, you know, from school. Mm -hmm. I would go to Port I was living in Salvador, and I would go to Porto Seguro with my mom was living there. And I would like spend the summer vacation with her. Mm -hmm. And they were training jiu-jitsu. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try jiu-jitsu. So I did it. I would do for a month and get kind of good, start like understanding it, and then go back to Salvador. I'm like, oh, man. And then I did this for like two, three years. And then in 2012, I actually decided, okay, I, I like this and I'm gonna start training over there. So when I went back, I started training at GFT with Professor Zeca Moraes. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, he has, his whole family is black belts jujitsu. Wow. He has four guys, they're all jujitsu black belts, super tough. So you got serious 
with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 2012. Yes. So from 2012 up until 2021, that's how long it took you to get your brown belt. Yeah. Wow. But in be- I, 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 I wouldn't say I was taking serious. I was training very often because like it was just something that I liked. Mm-hmm. But my dad didn't want me to get too much into it because of school. Oh, okay. Because I wasn't really into school. Yeah. <laughs> I had this like uh, uh, this output to just go into jujitsu and yeah. martial arts. I'm like, man, first day I ever stepped on the mat, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm gonna do. I you liked it. it. I liked it very much. <laughs> and you got good at it. Yeah. So yeah, it was just very pleasurable. You know. Yeah. I, it, it, it didn't feel like I was working or something. It was like. It's just something you enjoy to do. Yeah, it was just like, oh, man, it's meant to be. Like, I'm here. Like, I have the people. Like, it was, like, good people. And you can have your relationships. And you also work in your body. You work in your mind. That's one of the good things about jujitsu. It's like chess. Yeah. So you get all these factors together. It makes it a very addicting martial art. Yeah. Like, you just can't stop training. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So <laughs> and then you started doing Muay Thai when? Yeah, when I was 14. Okay. Yeah. Actually, Muay Thai, that got me like really, oh, I want to be a fighter when I grow up. <laughs> oh, because of Muay Thai. Yeah. I'm I, really into like sparring and all that. I love. Muay Thai is a lot of fun. It is. I did Muay Thai for, for a couple of years and um, it's very brutal on the body. It is. And um, it's brutal on the shins, but it makes your body like a weapon, basically. And in my opinion, it's the best stand-up martial art in the world. I know some people differ on that. I don't know how you, what do you think about that. Some people would say Kung Fu, Karate. In my opinion, Muay Thai is like the best one. What I do you think? agree. Like today, we got the kickboxing, like leveling up because of like high-level athletes from the MMA. Mm-hmm. They're doing, practicing the, the striking, but it's a combination of boxing. They have the footwork and the, the yeah. and all that. Foot, a combination of Kickboxing, boxing, and Muay Thai. Yeah. That is the perfect striking martial art. Yeah. Right? With, that's the what the MMA fighters do today. You can get better, but like the high level ones like Israel, the champions that you can see right. what they do and you say, Oh man, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the um in the nineties Muay Thai was, was very obviously eighties and nineties, it was really a popular uh, striking sport because it was new in the sense that it introduced knees and elbows. That's what made it unique, right? Yeah. It's like their their ability to just uh, hone in on the on the elbows. It was like they would cut you up yeah. with simply like elbows, and and of course you have your knees that are like giant knuckles. You know what I mean? You get someone in the tie clinch and just break ribs and stuff. I mean, I remember when I was doing Muay Thai, um, the Muay Thai fighters didn't look like Muay Thai fighters. They skinny usually. They're yeah, tight, yeah, the guy. There's a guy that I was that I was sparring with, and. Uh, he would always kick my butt, but the guy, if he, when he when he would wear street clothes, he looked like a, like a nerd. Today, a lot of jujitsu guys are. Like yeah, they're just like that. <laughs> and I remember even his name was nerdy. And I remember like we were fighting. He got me in a tie clinch, and he cracked my rib. And I I was like my rib was messed up for like a couple months. But I remember thinking to myself, if someone tries to pick a fight with this guy in the street in his street clothes. Oh man, mercy on him because they just don't know who they're messing with. And a lot of these, a lot of these guys, they're very humble. Like the Muay Thai guys, I'm sure there's there's some guys who are pretty crazy out there. Martial arts usually make you humble. Yeah, because you, you just learn there's always someone better than you. Yep. You you learn to share your knowledge with other people. That makes you humble because yeah. you're like, oh man, I'll help this guy. Yeah. That's one of the things I was gonna. Or you or asking yeah. for someone's help. Yeah, yeah, that too. Like when you're asking for someone's help, yeah, it makes you humble. Yeah, so yeah, martial arts usually were supposed to make you humble. Some crazy guys are like the exception. To <laughs> I remember at the gym that I was I was uh, training at. There's a guy, and he was a seasoned Muay Thai kickboxer, very much in shape. Would would compete, and he was just he was very big, but he was like the nicest guy in the world, right? Like very nice, and and always would help me very patient and i remember one time he came into the gym and he came late and he was he looked he looked mad and uh, i think his name was armin uh if i remember correctly and and i remember um you know he, he was sitting there and he was wrapping his hands and he just looked really mad i was like hey what's up armin he's like hey how's it going and i'm like everything all right he's like 
no, it's not all right. And I'm like, what happened? I was like, well, what's going on, you know? And he ended up telling me a story that he had gotten out of class in college and some random guy just wanted to come and pick a fight with him. And the guy was like cussing him out. He was just, I don't know if he was like drunk or just didn't like him for whatever reason. And, and Armin was just like, please leave me alone. I, I don't want to fight you. Leave me alone. And the guy's yelling at him. He's pointing his finger in his face. And he's like, he's threatening to fight him. And, the, and Armin's like, leave me alone, please. I don't want any trouble. So the guy punches Armin in the face. He just cracks him right in the mouth, right? And Armin, like, he gets hit and he comes back and he's like, please don't do that. <laughs> he's like, don't do that. That's a man that rules his own spirit. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. That's a man who is slow to anger. And he's big time better than the mighty, you know? He gets punched in the mouth. It doesn't phase him at all. He's just like, please don't do that. The guy tries to hit him again, and Armin just throws an elbow and just lays him out on conscience on the grass. And the guy's knocked out, and Armin was upset because he had to do that. And he's just like, I'm so mad that I did that. you know. And I'm like, why? I mean, the guy looks, I mean, Armin was sizable. Like, he was a big guy. Like, why would you want to pick a fight with that guy? But I'm, I, ever since then, I was thinking to myself, like, man, you got to be careful who you fight in the street. That's you know? one of the cool things about jujitsu. You can actually neutralize your opponent without hurting him. Yeah. Because if it was a situation like that, you could just, like, take the guy down and just, like, okay, man, stop. Like, yeah. You, you, it's not going to be good for you. That's one of my two of my students. They have private classes with me. They're talking to me the other day. I have a 62-year-old guy. Uh, and a 20 year old guy they both t told me the same thing it's kind of empowering because in a situation like that if you don't know like you have no idea how to defend yourself you're gonna feel threatened you're gonna start like oh man like yeah he's gonna hurt me he's gonna yeah. kill me or something like that and you're gonna start like losing your mind and, and walking around like this it's very stressful you know? mm -hmm. so they're telling me it's very empowering now that you walk on the streets like you have a superpower, you know? <laughs> You're walking around like, I'm not at the mercy of any guy that just comes to me and chooses to hurt me, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't like, you know that you're gonna be okay. Right. So you can just walk on the street and it's one less thing to like- To really worry about. Bother your, mind, yeah. your mind. And you can walk with your wife and like, you know that like, something happens other than a knife or a gun or something, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be okay. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. So they're telling me like, man, I've been feeling like it's just, I feel good now. And, and they thank me so much. That's one of the things I love about jujitsu. Yeah, amen. Uh, um, I do encourage people to run if they, if they can. Me too, me too. Like to avoid the fight, just run. But if you have to, if you must defend yourself or, you know, obviously like if I'm with my wife, I can't run. Yeah. And if they're trying to do something to my family, then, you know, I'm just going to die trying. You know what I mean? But I don't know how much of the Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu I still remember, but hopefully I remember enough to, to defend my wife. To hold yourself. <laughs> I mean, you, you're not going to like look scared, you know? Yeah. You're going to be like, okay, okay, it's going down. Yeah. And then you're going to handle yourself in a proper way. Like, yeah. this is the psychology of bullying, you know? Right. Like, if you just, okay, what do you want with me? Like, mm -hmm. well, why, you, you know, why are you bothering me? That's the an, guy's going to be like, oh, man, what's up with this? That's guy? another thing with jujitsu. Like, Muay Thai fighters, they, they look a little bigger, they look different. Jiu-jitsu guys, they can just be anyone sometimes. Yes. Because they're women. I've, yeah. I've always been told, like, jiu-jitsu is, is the martial art of leverage. You know what I mean? kind of helps, to, like, the smaller guy yeah. defeat the bigger guy because of leverage. You know what I mean? Which is a good thing. One of, one of, the, one of the world champions in jiu-jitsu now is this guy, Mikey Musumichi. Mm -hmm. Don't know if you've heard of him or mm -mm. saw him. Man, this, like, five, four... And skinny looking, he uses glasses, he runs funny, he's like, oh, hey man, what's up? But like when you see the guy fighting, <laughs> I'm like, wow, man. Like jujitsu has changed, especially yeah. like going, to, coming to America and, and Americans really kind of know how to, how to make a sport grow. Yeah. You know, like implement method of training and make real athletes. Yeah. In Brazil, we, we, okay, it's Brazilian jujitsu, whatever, but Americans now are taking over. They kind of popularized it and are seeking to perfect it perfect. and take it to like the next level, yeah. basically. Like, 
if you get the the work ethic from wrestlers for example and you put into jiu-jitsu you get super athletes hmm. what i like about brazilian jiu-jitsu too is um there, there's a lot of spiritual applications you can make to it that is, yes. because um you know you think of like basketball or any sport that would require for you to work with other people you know obviously there's there's spiritual applications you can make to that because in the sense of like you're working with a team right you can kind of apply that to like your church but really the christian life often is a one-on-one -on -one fight mm -hmm. with you and your flesh with you and the devil with you and the world and typically when satan goes to war with you um he doesn't go to war with you and other people uh he usually takes you on one-on-one -on -one. And the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so it's like it's a literal wrestling match yeah. in the spiritual realm. And you think of like Jacob, right, who wrestled with the angel, yeah. you know, and uh, and he when he became Israel all night. Yeah, all night. <laughs> I mean, that's a long sparring session. <laughs> that's a long time. And, um, you know, and so uh, there's a lot of parallels between the Christian life being a fight and literal martial art. And I think martial arts is good for you too, because it, it kind of gives you like mental, um, how should I say, uh, uh, stability to, to just kind of stay in the fight. Cause when you're sparring or when you're, I'm sure when you're competing, mm -hmm. it's a mental game too, yeah. just to like not give up or push forward. Even the day to day. Cause one of the biggest, uh, spiritual applications that I see is, uh, persist no is uh, consistency mm. right to get good at jujitsu as as of anything in life is consistency right? yeah especially the Christian life so in jujitsu if you just train like whenever you feel like you're not gonna get good yeah right if you're preparing for a tournament and you don't have the consistency to train every day and, and like to stay on the schedule you're not gonna get good you're gonna get there and get whooped yeah <laughs> so so that's one of the biggest things i see and also endurance endurance you can apply to just uh go train whenever you don't feel like uh go train whenever you're tired if you're tired just keep going a lot i, I tell a lot of guys like a lot of my friends that train jujitsu like they ask me like oh how you get cardio how you get better at doing jujitsu you, ju you just do it you just roll Oh, how do I get more cardio for rolling? They want to run, they want to hike, they want to do all this other stuff. Okay, just roll. Hmm. So like they roll on like five minutes, they get super tired because it's different. Like there's nothing that can match the jujitsu intensity and mm -hmm. the, the fight can go. So like running doesn't translate. You know, you can run like an ultra marathon. You can be ready for that, but then you fight like one round of jujitsu five minutes, you die. <laughs> so let me get this straight. So basically. When it comes to, and we'll come back to the consistency point, but when it comes to endurance in jiu-jitsu, the best way to build endurance is by actually doing jiu-jitsu. Yes. And it's not by running on a treadmill. It's not by hiking or doing what pretty much mainstream would say, yeah, if you want to build some stamina, you have to go run a couple miles or whatever. You get better running, you, but not jujitsu. Oh, <laughs> so the only way you get better or last longer in jujitsu is by actually doing jujitsu. Because a lot of people they'll do five minutes and they get tired, and then like we usually do like a normal training. Most gyms they do the they do the positional training, and then like. 20 minutes 30 minutes to the end of the class they just do rolling which mm -hmm. is the sparring right? yeah so it's like five minutes rounds one minute rest so you can find another partner mm -hmm. and then you can start another round so a lot of people they do they'll do this five minutes and then take the next round out off oh you know so so you only get used to roll when you're when you're fresh that's not realistic you don't know you don't really know how to push when you're tired uh, oh, i'm tired so i'm gonna sit out oh, oh i'm tired now i'll give up huh. i'm tired now you know it doesn't work like that yeah you're not gonna get better you gotta push through that point because there's a point like, a lot of people like that do jujitsu agree with me that you roll you roll and then you get tired if you just decide okay i'm not gonna stop i'm gonna keep going you get tired for like one more round maybe and then you catch your second win after that the second win you can just go forever that's a pretty awesome point there because um, I'm sure that applies to a lot of different uh, 
exercising areas where if it, if you just stick it out because you know you kind of hit a lid sometimes of, of how much uh, strength you have or you know how much you can take or endure and the answer is not to take a break the answer is push through that and then you actually end up lifting your lid so you can do more it's like even when you're preaching that like the the christian life gets hard we get like financial problems we get like all these different problems in our life and then the answer to this problem is like we're gonna focus on this problem and then we leave church out yeah when is the most important thing you can leave the most important thing out yeah you're just gonna get crashed yeah so that's good yeah because in that's true. A lot of people in the Christian life, they're like, they go through an issue and they're like, well, I'm going to take this five minute break because yeah. I'm tired. And they sit out because, you know, they got to take care of their finances. They got to take care of their family. They got to take care of all these things. But that's not the answer. The answer is stay in church, stay in the word of God, stay in the Christian life. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, even though you're tired, even though you're discouraged, even though you're depressed, even though you're you're just kind of weak. And then, you know, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So it's like you push through that and then you start realizing, wow, I could actually handle a lot more than I thought. (laughs) So the way you can handle more stress and more anguish in the Christian life is just by doing what you're supposed to be doing in the midst of anguish. You know what I mean? That's a really good point. That's very good. Endurance in the Christian life. The Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And that's de- that's definitely true. I didn't know that when it came to jiu-jitsu, but I guess it would translate very well to the spiritual life when it comes to that. Jiu-jitsu actually has way too many spiritual parallels. That's why <laughs> He's I- like, I got so many, I don't even know what to do with them. <laughs> We have to do a part two of this podcast. <laughs> no, because actually a lot of people will say, oh, jiu-jitsu is my religion. I, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing this mm-hmm. from people. Jiu-jitsu is my religion because they, they just dedicate their lives. They're, some people can become athletes. That's that's their like biggest aspiration. That was mine Like before I got saved. It was like, oh, I want to be a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. But then after I got saved, I started like, rethinking my priorities in life. That's why I kind of gave up on my MMA career, which was like a teenage dream. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually trained for like over a year to like start getting fights, like during the COVID and stuff. But then after I got saved, like I said, like my priorities just like shifted. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, I can't be like, why Why do I want to be an MMA fighter? Why, yeah. do, why do I want to be a, a Jiu-Jitsu world champion? Why do I want to do these things? So I started like rethinking all these things. Yeah. And now... I, I'm, I'm so happy, bro. Amen. Like fulfilled. With Amen. Like my my job is jujitsu, but it's not like my religion. I use jujitsu jujitsu to like meet people in the gym, and when I see like I get some targets, my goal is like to get my whole gym saved. <laughs> get the Baptist Kobe jujitsu. <laughs> well, the cool thing about that is is that you're actually succeeding in that area because. Um, Vitor has been bringing a lot of people to church. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, we got our fall program coming up, and, and you might take the, the lead on that. Amen. But he's been bringing, Amen. like, I, for a couple weeks, it was just, like, a bunch of new people. And it's like, how'd you hear about the church? It's like, oh, Vitor is my instructor, or Vitor <laughs> trains my kids, or Vitor does this, you I know? I a Jewish family. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, beat that, huh? <laughs> and they said they're going to come back, too. They're going to come back. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, I mean, it, everything has its place. Yeah. And I think you can love jujitsu and still serve the Lord. Yes. Just like you can love any hobby that you do or anything that really improves your life and, and still love the Lord and love the Bible, as long as you understand that Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. Yeah. I think when things start taking uh, priority over the Lord, church, Bible, you know, things that are the most important, then at that point, you need to take a step back. Idolatry. Yeah, it becomes like idolatry to a certain extent. And you begin to, the Bible says, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. And, you know, I come from like um, a type of Baptist Christianity where there's just like, you can't do MMA, you can't do jujitsu, you can't do Muay Thai. Like Southern Baptist? No, no, no. It was Independent Fundamental Baptist. But they had this attitude where it was just like you can't do any of those things because they're just 
they're going to take your attention away from God or whatever. And that's definitely the case. It can be the case, you know, if you're not careful. But I think if, if you just have the right priorities. It depends on you, yeah. Yeah, and I think the Lord is pleased when you do these things. You know, God wants us to, to enjoy life. And part of enjoying life is doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, lifting weights or, or fighting or, you know what I mean, just kind of exercising your body. Um, as long as you keep the most important thing the most important thing. Because you go soul winning, you're in church, you're reading your Bible, you know what I mean? You got your wife and, and, and you know, you, you, you're being a blessing to the church, but you're also succeeding as a jiu-jitsu instructor and a practitioner. Actually, the Christian life has been helping a lot. Like Amen. with my work ethic, as being a husband, as dealing with the kids and with the people around me. Yeah, like, I, I'm really trying to like I pray every day to help me be a light unto the world. Yeah, so I can see more people saved. People can look at me and say, "Oh, people is, is Vitor is Christian," and that's the Christian I want people to see me. Actually. Amen. That's awesome. Good deal, man. Yeah, and um. I think you're doing a great job, Vitor. Stay faithful. And, now, and like, you made some friends at our church. Yeah. He's made some friends at our church. Like, you got your little friends going on, and now you're getting guys from our church to, in the in the jiu-jitsu class now, yeah. too, right? John's training. John's yeah. been on the podcast. He's the, the guy who flies airplanes. He's the Assyrian guy. Yeah. Well, he doesn't fly him anymore, but he used to. Um, but he's getting really into it. Yeah, he's couple, actually really good. He's getting really good. Yeah. Amen. I, I really say jiu-jitsu is for smart people. You know, John, well, so are we like, what, what, I mean, what? <laughs> uh, this podcast is over. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> no, like, uh, John is a very smart guy. He's mm -hmm. like, he's good with music and he, he's a smart guy. He's very versatile. Yeah. That's my, my, the word I was looking for. So yeah, he, he's, he, he gets it super good. Like he can just see something and, and he practiced one time and it's like, okay, I got it. And then he can do it and, and actually roll. That's great. It's crazy to see. That's it's awesome. So nice. He's like a protege or something. Yeah. <laughs> or what do they call it in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? They, they, uh, uh, um, a phenom. A phenom, yeah. It's a phenom. <laughs> That's what they used to call, what do they call Victor, it? Vitor Belfort, Belfort, right? Belfort, yeah. They called him the phenom because he got his black belt when he was 18 or something. Something like that, but not really. Not really. He did At it. At 19, he was like 200 something pounds. Because all these steroids and stuff, he was actually a like, oh, savage man. MMA fighter at 19. Whoa. It was huge, like huge. Yikes. I'm not sure if he was a black belt. I don't know how it is in Brazil, but I've, I I feel like I heard that you can't receive your black belt even if you even if you earn it or you, you, you deserve it. You can't get it until you're 18. Is that correct? Yeah, we have one exception to this rule was Mikael Gavon, this athlete, and he's 17. But he was beating up in events and, like, beating up black belts. Everybody was like, why is this guy not black belt? He's been training He should just give life. him a black belt. Yeah, he's been training his whole life, like, yeah. over, like, 15 years of jiu-jitsu. So, like, wow. he has more jiu-jitsu than a lot of black belts that are competing today. So they gave it to him when he was 17. Yeah, and he's 17. He just fought, like, he just competed in one of the biggest tournaments today. Because jiu-jitsu is now growing because of this guy, Gordon Ryan. Like, he, he came this with a very smart mindset how mm -hmm. to make money off jiu-jitsu. Because jiu-jitsu, we usually, we go compete, we pay. Yeah. <laughs> we pay to sign up for the tournament, we get a medal. Like, the world champion, like, the world champion jiu-jitsu, he's poor. You know, because, <laughs> like, you don't make any money. Like, you, you have to know how to market, like, how, how to make your train, your your... Labor, you, yeah, it's like a trademark. You're, you're, you, you basically have to market yourself. Market yourself, so you can like raise, like teach more privates, make so. So you don't make any money competing. Competing, you now. actually spend money competing. <laughs> yeah, the the biggest one, but now that's changing. Okay. Now, now there's more people that are interested in jujitsu and watch jujitsu, even people that don't compete. And don't train jujitsu because usually yeah. people that watch jujitsu tournaments is only people that compete. That limits a lot. Like oh, I see. You know, so that limits the whole sport. So that money cannot be made. Yeah. So now that's changed. Well, I remember. Um, I think Hike told me that jujitsu classes have become very expensive. It is yeah. right because I remember when I was training uh, when I was eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. I, I paid 145 for both Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. 
like they would charge like a hundred for Muay Thai and then like a hundred or, or uh, yeah, like a hundred for jujitsu. But if you did both, they would give you like a discount or something like that. How much is it now? It depends. Like it, it, it can be around this price still. Oh, okay. Like, but some gyms will be like 300, 250. A month. Yeah, a month. Whoa. And some gyms. Yeah, I'll stick to the spiritual battles. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just uh, stick to uh, spiritual wrestling <laughs> against principalities and powers. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just uh, wrestle against the angel. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. And the gis get a little expensive, too, right? If you want, like, a good gi. Because it's getting, like, fashion. You know, like, people want to get this. this uh, Specific design or. or I mean, like, how is a jujitsu gi a fashion thing? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, people want to get this, like, limited gis, you know? Like, so people, they, they release, like, a, a specific amount, like, 100 gis from, from a certain time. Oh. So everybody's like, oh, it's like the sneaker game, yeah. you know? When people are like, oh, they're crazy about the sneakers, that's only, like, 10,000. So it gets expensive. So it's the people who are putting them out. They're just – because that's actually a, a, a very smart business exactly. move. You just make a limited amount of something, and it, they go – how much do they cost now? Some gigs can be, like, $1,000. Whoa, yeah. 1000 bucks. Yes, good sir. night. The – the, a good gear. All right, like I'll just put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna put off the old man, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. <laughs> it doesn't cost me much. <laughs> it costs everything, though. That's true. It just didn't cost me something. I got it for free. <laughs> man, that's expensive. What did I pay for my gear? I think I paid maybe like 200 bucks for my gear. That is like $60 gear, 70 Well, those are the really cheap ones. They're really cheap. Uh, my, my instructor told me not to get the $60 ones because those will tear when you're, like, training. Yeah. And uh, so I, I can't remember the one that I got, but I had a I had a black uh, pants and then a, a, I had a white gear top. <laughs> yeah, different. With, yeah, I had different with with a black trim. Yeah. But it was tough. Like, it would not tear. Like it never, it never tore or anything like that. In Brazil, people usually have only one gi. I, I don't know how it is right now, but when I started, people have only one gi, and they would train the whole week without washing it. Blech. So the, they would train and then put in the sun to dry, and then the next training session they just got it. Oh man! And then like talk they, about ringworm. <laughs> I've never heard of ringworm before coming to the U.S. Really? Staph infection and ringworm. I never even heard of it. It doesn't happen in Brazil. I don't know if it happens. I've never heard of it. Wow. Yeah. When I was at that gym, let's see, how much is that? 129. 129? And then the black one is what? 130? Yeah. yeah, that's like the average. Like the, the, the more costly gigs. Hold on a second. That's more like $200 gigs. Uh, I'm on the Rod of Iron podcast right now, Brother Hike. What, what, what do you want? Just kidding. I'll just, just say hello from the end. Never mind. I was going to respond to your text message, but do your thing. Okay, I'll, I'll call you back. All right, bye. Brother Hike does this, eh? Like he call like in random yes, times. Yes, random he, times. He, he was calling on the on the church group on, the, on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, What's the most expensive one there? Yeah, have like two hundred to twenty. Two hundred. Yeah, that's what I paid for mine. I paid, I think I paid like two hundred. Mm. Brand. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the word I've been looking for. Brand. I just oh, brand. <laughs> I remember one time. Um, I was training because I would train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then on Friday, we had like a – I think Friday was just rolling. Like there was no necessarily – because, you know, throughout the week you do drills and stuff like that. Yeah. And Friday we just rolled. And uh, super sweaty. And I remember like uh, he would give us these breathing exercises, and it was the worst. I hated it. He used to have us lay down after after the, the rolling session, get our gi top, and then put it over our face. And then we just like, and then we just like breathe. We're like, because we felt like we couldn't breathe. And then he would tell us, he's like, you could breathe. It's just hot air. (laughs) He's like, just relax. But you felt like you couldn't breathe, but you're breathing just hot air. And then uh, I went home and I put my my gi inside my gym bag and I forgot about it. And then Monday, (laughs) Monday, I went to go train and I pulled it out and it was just the most horrific smell. And then I remember, like, I was training, and my my the guy that I was rolling with, he was like, "I can't train with you." It's like, this smells too. I had to get a loner. Yeah, every jujitsu guy <laughs> has been through that. Like, it, it's very common. Like, 
you just put it in the car and forget it oh man uh, it's a it's a toxic weapon yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it gets pretty bad i think it i think it was growing mold or something yeah. but i think people get like uh ringworm and staph infection because they don't clean the mats i don't know man i just know that first time i've ever i never caught it though i never got it yeah let me just make that very clear on the Rod and Iron <laughs> podcast. Pastor Mejia has never gotten ringworm or staph infection from a rolling session at all. My friends did. And I remember, like, he came to train even after he had the ringworm and he had his leg bandaged up. And I'm like, what happened to your leg? And he was like, oh, it's just, you know, he didn't really want to say. But then later on he told me, I'm like, dude, you came to that's the session? Bad, that's bad, that's bad. With that on, you that's like contagious. That's wicked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, you got leprosy. That's wicked. Bro. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is fun. I probably will never do it ever again just because I don't have time to do it. Yeah, it's just. But it's it's a lot of fun. I, I remember it being a lot of fun. And um, it does train you mentally. I will say that. Uh, and it gives you a lot of flexibility, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be pretty flexible, right? It's not like you have to. It makes everything easier. Yeah, well, that's in that case, you have to. <laughs> it's like the Christian life could be easier if you read the Bible, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Courtney, you got to read the Bible, to, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know Brother David Nogueira? I haven't. He's from Steadfast Baptist. He he first, he was attending Faithful Word Baptist, and then he moved to Texas. Um, but he went there for a soul winning marathon, and he's the guy I was telling you about that he got a bunch of people saved there. So as dark as Brazil is, um, the, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Amen. And so, you know, people still need to get saved there. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are receptive there. He got a lot of people saved. And so, uh, who knows, Brother Vitor, maybe one day you'll go back to go preach the gospel there. Why not? You speak Portuguese. You should be doing a, a Portuguese gospel presentation. I'm working on that. Okay, good. I have talked to John about it. I'm, I'm just working on... On my knowledge, because I haven't even yeah. finished reading the Bible one time yet. Yeah. Well, that's that's a goal in the future that yeah. maybe you want want to do because you speak Portuguese fluently. Yeah, <laughs> that's my first language. Yeah. That's your first language. <laughs> yes. The the thing I'm working on also, I'm not I'm not really into debate. Right. That's one thing I've noticed when I start like getting more passionate about about like different subjects. It's like I'm not really into debates. If a person has a really strong opinion about something. Yeah, I know they're wrong. Like sometimes, like about it can be about nutrition, about working out, about jujitsu, about faith, about anything. Yeah. If the person has a really is really passionate about you it, you just kind of submit to it or just kind of give them the way or whatever. Yeah. But that's kind of how you're supposed to do. I mean, that's yeah. what the Bible says it's, you should do. It's hard, but but like, I just feel like I should be more competent in doing so. Even though I'm not going to, I should be able to. That's what I feel. Oh, like. I see what you're saying. Well, I mean, I guess what you're what you're saying is you just like to defend the faith when yes, needed, right? Yes, yes. Like you want to earnestly contend for the faith, not because you want. It's like the guys who come and train at your gym. You know, they don't want to fight in the street, yeah. but they want to learn jujitsu in case it ever does come up or something. You know, and it's it's better to uh, know it and not have to use it than have to use it and not know it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, we never want to get into debates. I encourage our people never to get into debates. It's a waste of time. It's, it is. A and anytime like someone challenges me to a debate, in my mind, I've already set in my mind that I'm al- that I'm already right. Yeah. That's why I don't I don't walk away feeling like a failure. I'm just like, well, I'm right. Yeah. I know that I'm right. You know what I mean? Because I have the truth. So that kind of like deters me from wanting to uh, debate with someone. And the Bible says a, a heretic after the first and second after the second first and second admonition reject, reject, you know, because that person has been has has subverted. I've been doing that a lot because people know that that they know it's funny. Like when you become a Christian, like I don't know if the way you handle yourself changes or something, but people kind of feel judged by your presence. You know, they they like before I even say something, they start changing the way they talk. They don't cuss anymore. Yeah, they're they're they you you're the salt of the earth. Yeah, man. Yeah. So so they start like feeling judged by me, or, or like if they have a strong opinion about something, I know what they know what I believe. Yeah. They want to come to me and kind of talk about it. I'm like, yeah, but the Bible says that, and they're trying to debate with me. I, I'm very. I, that's what I'm very good at. Like, <laughs> get out of debate. Yeah. Because. Oh, you're saying sometimes you you. You find yourself in situations where people seem to want to challenge your beliefs. Yes, yes, yes. Very, all the time. All yeah. the time. And 
man, I, I just don't feel like it. Because people are get good at debating. They get good at putting all these arguments and stuff. I'm like, man, I'm not good at it. But I, I, <laughs> I know I have the truth. I know what I believe. And I yeah. know, like, why I'm right. But I don't know how to put it right as good as they do with their false doctrine. Yeah. You know? I mean, you've, you've only been safe for a little bit. I yeah. mean, it's going to take some time and just just learning the Bible. And and one of the best ways to prepare for that is just keep going soul winning. Yeah. Because um, what's going to happen is that you're going to pre be presented with someone who makes a better argument for their false doctrine than you do. Mm. And then you're going to be humbled. And then you're going to be like, well, I'm going to go home and study that out. So that when it comes up again, that doesn't happen again. Yeah. You I'm, know? I'm doing that with other people's uh, stories. So I don't have to get in this. Oh, because you're you're the silent partner. Yeah, are you I, saying? I, I was being the yeah one guy one time. Whose uh, team are you on? I mean, on Saturdays I go with brother. On Wednesdays I go with brother John, uh -huh. South Central, like just me and him, and he actually has helped me a lot. Like, what team are you on though? On uh, brother Jacob's team. Oh, brother Jacob's Jacob team. Okay. Lines, yeah. Uh, that's on Sunday. So <laughs> every day I've been going with different people. On, on Wednesdays, just me and Brother John. Mm -hmm. On Saturdays, it, I mean, with Brother Ulysses and whoever goes. Usually me and Brother John too. And on Sundays, it's like me and Brother uh, Cody and Jacob and Gami. Yeah. Amen. So I, I so far I got seven. You're just people. learning from all yeah. of them. So far, I got seven people saved. Awesome. So, yeah, it's very exciting. That's great. <laughs> it's very exciting. Well, keep up the great work, Brother Vitor. Yeah, well, you know what? It was great to have you on the podcast today. It was, uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot, especially when it came to um, this the subject of endurance and all that, you know, and how you kind of paralleled that to the Christian life. That's really good. Um, but it's good having you, man. Thank stay you, man. faithful. Stay consistent in, in church. And uh, I'm proud of you. And just keep going forward for the Lord. But, uh, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. It's a bit of a different episode today. We just have one guest here, and every once in a while I like to do that, just bring someone in from our church just to kind of pick their brain a little bit and uh, get a little bit of their experience of life and the things that they've learned in times past, even up until now. And so thank you so much for tuning in. You can watch the full episodes, of course, on YouTube once the strike is taken off. And then, uh, of course, you can watch them on, on the website, fwbcla.org. And then you could also listen to it, the audio on Spotify as well, if you have a subscription to that. But thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Have a great evening. We'll see you in the next episode.